Hey everyone, welcome to the end. Versus me to live on Colin episode 106, Mosh Pit. I left it vague for somewhat of a reason, and I said last night that I promised maybe a little bit of uh, chaos with this, and uh, what I've decided is there's not going to be a cue tonight, and so give me a moment while I run through each and every single one of you to come up to the stage and join me. I am literally running through all of you, so if I don't get to you, give me one moment. If those of you who are uh, up on the stage with me currently, please feel free to begin speaking. Really like the topic today, Stephen. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> the topic is... Uh, on your Well, for this call, and I was referring to your uh, regular post, that you finally like dug in and addressed this, this bulwark uh, uh, dispatch crowd of conservatism and all that. And just it, it's, it's destructive and useless. And I think you just you were spot on. I didn't get all the way through it because there wasn't quite enough time. But I uh, appreciate the, <clears throat> that you finally addressed that content. Oh, were you talking about the, uh, the podcast today? Yes. Yeah, I mean... I think I, I think there was some funny things, and everyone just unmute your fucking microphones. This is this is there's a reason why I titled this mosh pit is because this is not me speaking and you in a queue. This is all of us hoping. If you want my honest opinion, this is getting as much people up on the stage with me as possible, and it hopes to crash this app because then I can say that the overwhelming interest in uh, doing what Colin was doing was that. Um, but as I go through and. I'm still invite. I'm still trying to pull people up on stage, guys. Basically, I'm the band singer telling you to get up on the fucking stage. With me. That's all. I'm, I'm also thrilled that you didn't cue tonight because I was going to follow Dr. Rollergator, and there was no way that I was going to be able to top anything that he had to yeah. say. <laughs> if I'm still going to get annoyed at noise, I'm just warning you that. So whoever's whoever's driving down the highway right now, um, yeah, I thought it was interesting the the, the notion of Fight Club conservatism. I thought it was really funny because I think it's misguided. I don't think I don't know if they've read the book or seen the movie. And as I said, kind of today on the podcast, um, like Fight Club is about you know things like both the emasculated male and the toxic masculinity male are bad things, and it has nothing to do with rewarding your friends and punishing your enemies. It has everything to do with rewarding yourself and punishing yourself. And it sounds cool, but that's kind of mostly what they're doing. It's like, if you want to say that Ron DeSantis is participating in fight club conservatism, um, and you think that that's a bad thing, I can fully hundred percent tell you that, uh, that does not make him sound bad. <laughs> Come on, everybody get up hey, here. Steven. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, um, I wanted to know, I was thinking the other day, whenever you came out and said this is pretty much going to be the end of Colin due to rumble and stuff, I wanted to know, like, do you have any other ideas going forward? Are you just going to play it by ear and just do the strictly the podcast and write it spectator? And that's, and that's pretty much it from here on out. Uh, maybe perhaps, oh, there's Susan. Uh, maybe perhaps for now. Um, it depends. 
um, I was kind of offered to do this back when Colin started, and uh, I was like, okay, sure. I wasn't sure about the format. Um, and then kind of when it suddenly and kind of abruptly here came to an end, I was like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna kind of miss this. Uh, I'm not going to miss all of it. Some of it's been weird and awkward, and that's on my end. But um, if something can come along that's similar to this, um, I will certainly look at an opportunity to do that. Cool deal, man. Look, I just uh, wanted to talk to you for a little bit. My first time caller. I've been listening for a long time, though. Sad to see you go, but I'm still going to listen to your podcast every day. Oh, well, I appreciate that. No problem. Take care. And, you, and you have an awesome name. <laughs> <laughs> I went from I went from a 70s kind of like cowboy singer to like uh, a Nosferatu White House uh, uh, advisor. And so uh, that's just kind of how that's kind of how it broke. Uh, that way, and that's kind of how my political luck has gone. So, all right, take care, buddy. Thanks, man. Everyone's invited to kind of stay up here. So, I'm not taking a cue tonight, guys. If you want to speak, you're going to have to accept my invite to come up on the stage. Hey, Stephen. Sorry, I'm, I'm just going to be on uh, mute for a few seconds. I'm still out running. So, what, what, where, what are you running from? Uh, you know, running to exercise because I don't live up north and I can't get on a freaking skate to lose weight. I only, I, like, I, I only really run these days if I'm chased. No, I mean, so I, I, I have, I have a Peloton treadmill, but I can't really use it anymore because I have kids beneath me and um, kind of grouchy, bitchy neighbors. And so, obviously, if you're running on a treadmill in a in a condo, um, it bounces the floors, which I totally get. I'm totally not blaming them. Um, but like the times when I can do it are during the day. So I only use it like on the weekends right now when they're, you know, running around outside and, and, you know, yelling at each other and cursing at each other. So there's that. Well, only a mile and a half left and then I got my 12 done for the weekend. It's going to rain. What do you cover in a mile? Like what's your, what's your time for a mile? Uh, it depends. If it's only like a a four mile run, it's like 10, a little under 10 minutes. If it's okay. If it's oh, so wait, you know, four, 12, I'm doing like 13 minute miles. So your four, your four mile run is 10 minutes or what, what, what is your my four mile run is 40 minutes. My, my 13, my, my 13 mile runs about two hours. So, okay. So, but there. what's your, what's your time for a mile? If you clock yourself for a mile, what's your, uh, what's your best if I'm mile? I'm going time? my fastest at all. It's probably 840 or something. Okay. Mine's 857. Well, since you're about a decade and a half, that's still pretty freaking impressive. And I got I got to 8:40, and that was the 45 minute run I did when my goalie missed our playoff game, and I wanted to kick him off the team. That was that was that run. I literally ran for 45 minutes straight to get that aggression out, and I and I and I hit and I clocked eight minutes and 57 seconds. Again, whatever you need to do to keep your body moving, you know, just best way to get through life. Yeah. That and hard alcohol. Preferably <laughs> at the same time. Are you having any right now? Uh, I am having... I have two leftover beers from softball. Did somebody mention hard alcohol? I'm here. So you can, uh, you can probably guess what... Uh, let's see what kind of shitty beer... Let's see if you can guess what kind of shitty softball beer I had left over in my fridge that I'm drinking. Bud Light? It's got to be Bud Light. No. See, with, I do have with I, 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 on the can. I do have Bud Light at the ballpark because I have it on tap and it's cheap. So I, I don't. I'm, I'm fully willing to. 
I'm fully willing to go full Dylan Mulvaney if the if the softball beers are cheap. No, I'm having natural light. A fine pilsner called white for the moment. I do have hard alcohol, but um, it's it's still sunny out, and it, I have weird things with that, especially on with you guys. I we've had a couple. There's a there's been a couple of these call ins. You might have to go back and listen to them. Where I got a, like I got a little shit faced, and I'd be in the middle of a point, and I'd just go, okay, who's up or whatever. Well, some of your callers are drunk too. I, I definitely remember my last time I called in. I was. I hope I was all of my. Oh, I was very, drunk one of the I times. I was very Sorry. drunk the last time I called in. This is little the first time I have alcohol in hand. So. Yeah, a little red where I was listening to a band of my high school friends play, and they had a really good IPA on tap. I had a lot of it. And I was very drunk. There we go. Here we go. Now I'm loving this. We have like all the other There you go, Josh. Noise happening. Yeah, I'm going to check this out. Yeah, good night, everybody. Yeah. Embrace. I don't, I don't want anybody to be able to understand anything. Except everyone shut up. Kate, Kate, Katie Hyde's back there. What's going on, Kate Hyde? I can't believe I'm even jumping into this madness. That's why it's called a mosh pit. Mm, I love it. I don't know how long my ears can take it, but good evening, everybody. <laughs> what if I start doing like a, a very low tone, like <laughs> like a mosquito hum? Yeah, like that. I wouldn't like that. I, well, that's why I stopped doing it. Uh, Andrew really inspired me to go take a run, though. So maybe I'm just going to charge down the street and I'll chime in again another 10 minutes, see how far I get. Yeah. I'm on mute you, you while you're can, doing it. You can let it, us so know what your mile time is. The only running I do is to there. the bathroom. There's Samuel. Samuel, what did you make of Ronnie D's fundraising numbers? Or at least they're what they say they are. I mean, I would say it's pretty solid. But my big takeaway was it's day two and Christina Pushaw's already pissing a ton of people off. It's just beautiful. Um, the catcher stuff is genuinely hilarious to me. I'm not going to lie about that. Well, did you see, I don't know who the dude is. It's like, Dario or some weird fucking name, but he's like some New York young Republican dude. And he got fired from the Babylon Bee because he was insulting Pushaw. And it was like, dude, day two. And she's already going fucking hate him. It's just awesome. Christina Pushaw has been taken... Oh shit! I totally just removed someone. I'm getting confused because I've never, I've never like brought everybody up here, so I'm, I'm confused on the thing. So if I, if I removed you, hold on, I'm trying to get a guest in here. Pusha is a straight up assassin. She's good at what she does. I kind of hope she paces herself just so she makes sure she has it for the long haul. Because we got nine more months of, of all this primary crap. Well, she's been doing this for a couple of years, though, at this point, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what her job is. She's an online social assassin. And she's also a rapid, r- rapid uh, response director. It sounds like to me she's a rapid response director for the campaign now. And which has been her, you know, her bread and butter for how many years? But um, I think it's interesting. I, I said on I said on calling or maybe even the podcast. I forget at the moment. But th- this accusation that DeSantis his his 
thing with Elon Musk was just way too online. Uh, if you look at Ron DeSantis, he doesn't tweet. Like, he sends out his generic Happy Memorial Day tweets with his family and, you know, the fighter jets over. So that's just he's he is that kind of traditional politician. Fake, fake that way. Jets. Fake and it's jets. usually it's his team that does all the shit online. And so I think that accusation came from, you know, his team, his social media team and whatever his comms team. Uh, being accused of being way too online. And I think that that's all it was completely. Stephen, have we heard from Miss Actually Way Too Online, Taylor Lorenz herself, uh, as to how the launch? She blocked, she blocked everybody. everybody. How are we ever going to know? <laughs> no, you know, one of the things about new Twitter that's really interesting to me is just because those accounts aren't getting boosted anymore, the, the Lorenzes and the Ben Collins and the Kyle Griffins and the Rex Chapmans, um, I People just realize how them. worthless they were. I don't see them that much anymore. Um, I had I had to be remembered that uh, Kyle Griffin existed. Like somebody brought him up in comments. Like I don't see his tweets anymore because I don't follow him. And I think that that's a really interesting way in the dynamic that proved how old Twitter was kind of artificially boosting some of those accounts. Yeah, uh, did you see Jay Nordlinger's tweet about, uh, I think I put it in one of the comments, one of the founding, I think I put it in the founding members thread, Jay, Jay Nordlinger uh, kind of like, oh, well, you know, Trump or, or uh, Musk is in bed with China and, and he's done all these, you know, he went after uh, Talibi and uh, all this. And, and this is what conservatism has sunk to that uh, DeSantis is doing his thing. And then, of course, David French retweeted that. But this is like that same argument that like, OK, well, where where, where should conservatives go? Because I can't go to Fox News. That's out. Right. Because uh, we had our Stephen Hayes and Jonah Goldberg struggle session on Fox and, and that they're bad and you can't go there and you can't go to you can't go to Twitter because Elon Musk is bad. And OK, so so where are they supposed to go? And, and this is my you can go to David that, French. From from before, so go to the New York Times. Is that is that what conservative candidates should do? They should go to the New York Times for their platform. Really, no. CNN, and CNN. and that was the same the same thing with um his uh, David French's uh, like DeSantis did something that was you know borderline you know not conservatism Inc or whatever you know he was like big state whatever thing that he did and I don't even remember what it was. And, uh, French came out as like, oh, this is really shaping up to be a bad GOP primary. And we got Trump and we had this. And, and, and I, I got on. And of course, he didn't respond to me because I'm, you know, a 43 follower, nobody. But, uh, you know, I'm like, well, then who? Name names, David. Who who will you support? Who is good enough for you to support in the GOP primary? Is it Nikki Haley? Is it is it Tim Scott? Who is it that you will support? And and they, they just like, you know, you are the voices out here. Name names. And they won't do it. And I, I just, I, I'm so frustrated. Tim Scott's um, not good enough either. I, he endorsed Trump. Well, that and, and he's not, uh, he, he, you know, the 23andMe revealed he just wasn't um, African-American enough or whatever either, right? That, uh, you know, they, they just like, who? Name names. And they won't. And, and I think it's because they, you know, their idea, like Stephen has said time and time again, they're waiting for the GOP to burn itself to the ground um, <clears throat> so that they can walk back through the door and we can have Jeb Bush or, or whoever from 
before all this happened, the, as you point out, the pre-COVID, right? And, and that 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 ship has sailed. We got to acknowledge reality about where the, the political landscape is, and 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 it's just it just isn't Mitt Romney, and it isn't Jeb Bush, and it isn't any of these characters from before. It, it just it just isn't there. Jeb Bush had the charismatic ability of a table lamp. He had. An I I think that. I I think what's interesting it's it's not even and um, I'm going to be full discretion. I I know you guys. There's a large chunk of people who disagree, but Jade Nordlinger is kind of in the same boat with David French with me. Is personally, if you personally, Jay's like one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Um, and what's funny is when I was, uh, they were cleaning out an office at National Review, and Jade Nordlinger, I had some like goofy stuff around my cubby. I was collecting kind of like political mementos and stuff at my cubby at National Review, and. He, he comes in and he puts a Stetson and he's like, do you want this? And I was like, that's a big ass cowboy hat. Of course I want that. And he told me it was William F. Buckley Stetson. I'm like, fuck, I don't want that. <laughs> not because I didn't like William. It's like, it, dude, I'm, I am not going to be the care holder of William F. Buckley's former fucking Stetson. I'm not doing that. Um, I, I think Jay just represents an older guard. I think Jay represents an old, similar to Dave and similar to guys where they're kind of longing for the good old days of Reaganism and things like that. And I mean, I would just gently pull them aside and say, that's not coming back. You had Mike Pence, you know, Mike Pence was like talking about Reaganism and stuff. And I'm like, guys, do you realize that was 40 years ago? I'm also not sure that if Reagan were literally the type of person running right now, that they would support him because I mean, he, he was just an actor who happened to be a governor of California at one point. His his politics when he was governor of California were nothing that they would necessarily be promoting right now. So Reagan was an insurgent candidate. He lost to Gerald Ford in ninety in seventy six, and then he you know it was kind of like Mitt Romney, where Romney ran against McCain, and people were kind of like this guy's younger and kind of more polished than McCain, and of course McCain wins, and Romney gets the nomination in twenty twelve, and so it was similar that way. Um, I I don't know. It's similar when people say how would Reagan fare today. I, I also turn and say, you know, what would Andrew Breitbart think of today, 10 years down the road? Where would he be? And people all have their own minds made up. And uh, I, I personally, I just I wouldn't say I wouldn't even know. Um, but people gloss over this, this, this political party. Think of, you know, one of the funniest examples is people made the example if Back to the Future were made today, if the movie Back to the Future was made this summer. Marty would be going back to the year 1993. Like, you're old, by the way. And so when you think of it in terms like that, okay, think of now that terms in politics. How much of Reaganism in, in the year 2023 applies from 1983? Almost none of it. Now, you can argue economic conditions. You can argue, you know, yeah, there's there are, like, political equations, okay, um, on how economics work and what works and what doesn't work. Um, but to, to, if you have Mike, and I think Mike Pence is doing a CNN town hall and I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know, Pence is going to get up there and he's going to talk about Reaganism. And, and I'm like, dude, it's 40 years. Like it's like that argument could have been made to me, I guess in the nineties, like George W. Bush could make that argument because it's only, 10 to 15, but to get up there and just be like, we, you know, and, and Hannity bugs me this way too and talks about, 
you know, the need to restore Reaganism and stuff. And to me, that's who kind of Jay Nordlinger is. Um, and that's who that kind of wing of that older wing of National Review is. And guys, it's just not coming back. So you either have to, and if you don't want Trump, and this is kind of my argument with French's thing in, uh, in the New York Times today, it's like, well, who is good enough for you? Liz Cheney? Because Liz Cheney's not going to get elected. Right. And the whole idea, William F. Buckley's whole philosophy was the most, you, you nominate the most, the most electable most, Republican. Most, like, most electable that's something I would ask those guys. If I could, I'd ask him. I'm like, Reagan's or uh, William F. Buckley's entire, entire philosophy was you nominate the most electable Republican. Well, right now, that looks like it's Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump. And if you don't want Trump, then why are you against the only legitimate alternative to him? Well, I don't like how he he ta- he takes on Disney, the, and it's like, well, suck it up. It's the very, because Disney's not the good guy here. You, you have to at some point either either decide that you are are just no longer part of the Republican Party, do the typical the party moved away from me speech, and and then and then move on with your life because right now you have a, a you have two election cycles with Trump uh, directly in it in the primary condition where all of the articles from the other side are going to be, um, you know, uh, this person is scarier than Donald Trump. Every single candidate that might get start to be climbing is going to be scarier than Donald Trump and so that they can promote Donald Trump. And if you're going to play the same game where it's anybody but Trump, except for, for like Ted Cruz, he's worse. Anybody but Trump, except for, they're worse. Like you can't have those two statements coming out of your mouth and say that you're still participating it, in the primary. It minimizes... The hype, you know, the hyperbolic uh, comments that you say when you say Donald Trump is a unique threat to the uh, country since the Civil War. But then you're like, uh, you know, bulwarks here. So it's not too late to dump DeSantis. And then you say to them, well, who do you want? Well, why can't they just nominate Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger? And it's like because you don't fucking you either you either loathe the electorate or you uh, you don't understand it. And the more that I hear coming out of you know, D.C. conservatives, people like Alyssa Farrah Griffin and people at Think Tank are saying Ron DeSantis has to go talk to bigger audiences. He's president of the country. He should go on CNN. And it's like like Chris Sununu, who is holding one percent. What the hell was that? that? Somebody just died. <laughs> that, that was my dog. And Jesus Christ. <laughs> my, my, my wife was yelling at my dog. She will say hi real quick. So here she is. <laughs> Uh, don't kill uh, the dog, the dog. lady. <laughs> you own a you own a talking dog. Vanessa says in comments she got bounced, so we're already rivaling Elon Musk and Don DeSantis here. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, I just wanted her to say hi real quick since this is the last episode. And she just gets to hear me laugh and say shit on this this app. And the dog was going crazy. I don't know why. Probably so. come to come to Colin. Say shit on her app. That should have been that should have been the should have just been the uh, the slogan. All right. <laughs> so Steve, we were still, you were here. We were about... getting in a groove, bitching about David French, and, and now you guys all made me lose my train of thought. No, what I was saying is. This, if if your stance is um, you you still have time to dump Ron DeSantis for you know Chris Sununu who's polling at one percent, 
And I don't even make the I would mostly be fine with someone like Chris Sununu. He's just not going to win a GOP primary with pro gun control and pro, you know, pro life positions. And you look at this and you just say either you're willfully naive about the GOP electorate, which I think with D.C. conservative think tankers and stuff, I think that that has a lot to do with it or they outright despise them. And if you outright despise them, it's going to come through in your writings and your attitude and they will see that. And so this idea that any GOP candidate has to go talk to CNN or or anything, I think they're misreading the fight. And then when you look at and, and DeSantis, to me, very subtly understands the fight. He's been on now two days and he has blanketed every single important radio show or podcast except mine. Uh, and Eric Erickson and Ben Shapiro and Steve Ducey and Mark Levin and all. And I don't like and I don't like a good chunk of those people, but he's talking to Republican voters to win a Republican primary. You're not going to win a Republican primary by talking to vanity fucking fair. And to me, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Mike Pence, maybe to a certain extent, Tim Scott don't understand that because those are pre fight club conservatism candidates. And that's not really like a personal fault. I would probably vote for all three of those people, but they don't understand the fight or where the country is. And I'm beginning to think, I don't think Donald Trump understands where it is. So, so Stephen, one thing that I want to bring up with you, the view, I think it'd be hilarious if you decided to go on this record, all of those people, including Alyssa Farah, would it not? Yeah. I mean, if, if you like the blood sport and you just want to see him fuck him up, um, hey everyone, welcome one of the BB brothers down there. Inshallah! 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 We all just yell Akbar at the same time. We caught him in between flying lessons. Oh, Akbar! Technically, I'm still in the air. Uh, Siraj, you did a great job on. Uh, you haven't reached your target yet? No. Not yet. Haven't reached it just yet. It's not. So if I cut out, it's because of turbulence. So yeah, the, it's because I, of course, the nose of the plane, not, not that you know passengers overtook the plane. Siraj, I missed you, the uh, call in that you did with Stephen, but the um, uh, um, Nancy Pelosi rape my rack episode. I I nearly died laughing so hard during that episode. Uh, that was great. You were great. Oh, thank you. I don't. I don't remember what I said because, again, boomer. Hey, so I got. I got a big confession. Nancy Pelosi, sexy, big, big brain. Sexy, yeah, but huge brain. Stop. Siraj, um, what? I got I gotta ask about uh, Professor Jimbo. How, did he really do the whole thing with the donuts on Ramadan? <laughs> um, I mean, no. Oh, that didn't but, sound convincing. That didn't sound like a hard no. Uh, it was more like bacon, and then he rubbed it. In, what? <laughs> <laughs> so did he just do that because he knows you can't have that? Yeah, for the most part. What is the donuts on Ramadan? What is this? Oh, so um, we did this segment in the latest Flapper documentary about the Uyghur genocide, and basically we they had a script for me and the part that they the part that i got to punch up was the bit about the donuts 
and how he stared me directly in the face and said, this is for 9-11. And that's actually something <laughs> that actually happened to me in high school. One of my friends gave me all the lunch trays on the table with all my buddies, and he said, this is for 9-11. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so... I had to. I had to incorporate that in some way, shape, or form. Can we say whatever we want on this? Yes. This yeah. Is, the yeah, title is not acquired by Rumble. On it's our last. Want. It's our last episode. So everyone just talk over each other. Let's get in some fights. Let's have so, some drinks. So we were just a uh, quick follow up on the Jay Nordlinger thing. So like, there's a um, small hand. Now screw this. We're supposed to talk to each other. Who's, there's too much sponsorship going on. This needs to be a mess. Uh, their their integrity. I'd buy Charles C.W. Cook a drink. I'd buy Jim Garrity a drink. Uh, and I, I think that's about the end of the list. You, if um, you met Jay Nordlinger, you'd buy him a drink. Let me put it that way. So, I mean, maybe. I'm kind of in that unique position where I get where like you guys get pissed at their points of views and their writing, and I, I don't agree with it all. I'm, I'm I think I'm pretty out of step with you know. What? things like that but, but i'm also someone who like if you met jay norlinger and talked to him for like five minutes without like wanting to punch him in the face you'd buy him a drink he's just he's an older guard conservative and i think i think there is a and i and i would even put jonah goldberg into this where i think they're just checked out and i think that trump's victory kind of forced them to check out where you're just going through the motions now. You're just kind of, you're doing your cable appearances and you're writing your pieces. And that was kind of, you know, just a little bit of gossip talk about National Review. I think that was always my complaint with National Review, if you were sitting at editorial, is they were always reacting to things. They were reacting to something uh, Barack Obama said. They were reacting to something the New York Times said. They were reacting to something... Donald Trump said, and this goes this goes a lot into Fight Club and offensive conservatism, which I talked to. Con- conservatism on offense. I don't. Want, I like the term offensive conservatism, but other people might not. And so that was always kind of my observational complaint. Like the New York Times would write something, and then you had to react to it. It's like, why aren't you being proactive? And I think that when you have someone like Ron DeSantis, who is very proactive it's jarring to them because they believe in conserving and defending and they're not used to someone going on offense. So the Disney example is a great example where they sign and pass a law that says no, you know, no gender queer pornography in the classroom uh, from grades K through, you know, K through three, which they have the right to do. If a state, a state sets a curriculum for public schools, they didn't ban the book out of the libraries. They didn't ban it from Amazon. They didn't ban it like whatever, um, they just set the curriculum. I mean, any state can do this. Every state does it. It's just when uh, they went into the library and went, hey, what the fuck is this book for doing in here? And so uh, the media knew that they could not stop that bill. DeSantis had majorities in legislatures. It's a conservative majority. It's one of the biggest states in the country, obviously. It's kind of like conservative California. And so they knew they couldn't stop it. So what does the media do? They do their tired and true trick of going to companies, corporations in Florida to try and put economic pressure on him. So they go to Disney and they put, you know, they scare Disney into being like, what about your LGBTQ employees who are going to be genocided over this? They're going to be killed. 
And so Disney's like, oh, fuck, we don't want a PR thing. So they put out a notice. And all people like David or the left do is they reference that, that presser or that presser. But if you go behind the scenes, Disney basically said, we're going to use our lobbying arm and our legal arm, our multi-million dollar army of lawyers to tie this law up in court and try to get it overturned. Oh, and by the way, we're going to donate to candidates against you. When you do that, you're not you're still kind of using freedom of speech, but you're now a political actor. And if you're going to do that, DeSantis simply looked at your special tax status and went, oh, what's that? Well, that's gone then. OK, what else? And Disney, yeah, the other thing Disney did, he, he, they didn't do anything that because Disney enjoyed this special status in Florida. And they just simply looked at it and said, you know, no other company has this protected status you have. So we're going to get rid of that. Anything else? And so that mm. brings a lot of people. And I can get why people are like, oh, I don't like that. It's yeah. But that is what I mean about conservatism on offense. But no, nobody stopped. I think it can go too far. The I think... LGBTQ into their movies and 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 their their actual speech. Nobody stopped them from doing that. Nobody right. said anything about that. Right. That's their that's their business. If they want to do that, and and well, people didn't into... say anything, but they didn't go to see the movies. At some level, sure, right, and, and, and that's people vote with their feet, right? And town Moron, Town Moron's down there. Town Moron, hey, you and Robot speaking. That was totally me and Robot speak, I guess. Okay. I mean, I can't hear myself, but I'll I'll take the feedback. No, you sound fine now. Oh, cool. Uh, I was just gonna say, just to come at some of this from a different angle. I sure. mean, I was a registered libertarian for about twenty freaking years, what? waiting waiting for the Republican Party to move towards me to, like, abandon the social issues and become, like, you know, the whole uh, fiscal conservative and just kind of limited government. And look, man, I'm, like, I came to I came to the new, <laughs> the new version, the new conservatism on offense because, like, I'm sorry, the last few years – you, you have to just acknowledge the culture war, understand where things are. And the old conservatism, that idea of it's going to just become, again, like a conservative libertarian handshake and we'll move forward and have the majority. I just I think that moment is well past. And uh, I think it went out point, the, I think it went out. I think if I was looking back now and if you want to look at the watershed moment that started all of this, it's it's Jack Phillips. It's the Baker in Colorado, um, where a lot of us went like, hey, leave this dude alone. What are you doing? And it's not that they didn't just leave him alone. They still to this day are continuing to try and sue him out of existence. And I think, you know, and I've, I've heard people say as Memories Pizza when, you know, Obama made fun of Memories Pizza. And it was also suing Hobby Lobby. That was a new that we'd never seen that happen before. And so to me, that changes the calculus. And that's kind of my... I think that that's my thing towards the attitude of David and this, you know, this peacetime conservatism is like, we didn't pick these fights <laughs> like Jack Baker, Jack Phillips is just doing his job. And now he's facing, you know, financial ruin. Uh, and it, it's a large in part, a media campaign driven by an activist campaign. And so we kind of knew that that was going to happen. And, you know, this idea of, you know, it went from, hey, just let us get married and leave us alone. And I think for the most part, we were all OK with that. And even I've kind of come to this and I'm one of these guys who really does kind of pump the brakes on the OK groomer hysterics. I'm just kind of like you need to walk a really fine line with this stuff. Um, and I think right now you're kind of overblowing the line. 
Um, but that's, that's not going to win me many friends, but I kind of feel that way. Um, but I look at it and I say, that was a moment where it was like, Hey, what are you doing? Leave this guy alone. And they were like, no, we're not going to leave him alone. And so it was, that was one of those, and there's several others from the Obama administration that, that basically did that. And I think that that changed the calculus. It was, we cannot, they're not going to allow us to coexist anymore. And now you look at kind of what's happening college campuses, and I think this leads down the road of free speech. And like I said, once you realize they've arrived at the conclusion that free speech is white supremacy, you should know how to basically go from there. And that's basically where they are now. And we've seen several examples of that. And so you need someone who's going to not just stand up and go, well, that's ridiculous. You need someone who's going to... uh, 100% not only do that, but push back on that. Uh-oh. We got another one here. Bringing someone else up. There he is. So we now have both Habibi brothers in the room. 71, 71 Pinto says he just lost audio. So are, are we... Are we uh... I still hear you. I can hear you. Okay. Good. Hi, Jay. Assalamualaikum. This is basically a caliphate now that you guys are here. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. I mean, if you want to stop the grooming, the caliphate is the way the way to go. <laughs> there, there could be Boston something. Here. There could be a there could be a very clever piece in there about how the political right is going on jihad against uh, LGBTQ groomers. Y'all kind of. It's about time, right? I mean, th- there's a reason why Matt Walsh is growing that beard. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> My favorite um, thing is that 10 years ago, everyone, like a lot of these uh, social conservatives are very opposed to Sharia law. And now 10 years later, they're like, you know what, actually, let's, let's yeah, try they, it. They make some you know, valid points. Run, run for once. Yeah. When you yeah, say I, I beat your wife, what do you mean by that? I, I'm so hot and cold on this stuff. Like, I don't give a shit. On one hand, I'm like, I don't give a shit what Target sells. I really don't. On the other hand, I'm kind of like, hey, why are you selling that kid's bathing suit? <laughs> it's kind of like Norm MacDonald. I'm just kind of like, on the other hand, like, why are you doing that? And then, like, you see the North Face ad, and that one to me is the funniest one. Because the Bud Light thing with Mulvaney really, I think, made Mulvaney uncool to that whole thing. Like, it turned it turned him into a punchline in a way. And I think a lot of the younger kids are like, yeah, I don't want to be like this. But then you see this fucking dude out there in the North Face commercial, like, hiking <laughs> in the woods with platform boots. And I'm like, if, you, if you're LGBTQ, how does that not insult you? Like, they're just, they're finding the worst cliches, you know? They're finding the worst cliches about your community, your culture, or whatever, and they're just kind of making fun of it. And you guys think that, and as I said, pride to me has now become South by Southwest, where it was this kind of niche thing. You got a parade. First, it was one Sunday. First, it was like you got pride weekend. And then you had a parade and everyone then went and played bingo. And it was a grand old time. You didn't even have to be gay to enjoy it. You just had to like parades. And then it was a week. And then it was pride month. And now they have the whole fucking summer. Yeah, they, they and, have the whole uh, year. They have Pride Night like, on when every did they, single when did that NHL happen? month. Yeah. So I kind of look at this and I'm like, 
the, the funniest thing to me is how pride got corporatized. Like Burger King did pride wrappers and now companies are all changing their logos and really like pride kind of went for, and pride to me has always been weird because you're just celebrating sex. You're celebrating single sex. So, okay, fair Wait, enough. You're, ce- you're celebrating like how, you know, whatever. Um, and not even married couples do that. Um, but then it became this thing that companies felt they had to latch on to, to be accepted or cool. And that's exactly what happened to South by Southwest. And so it's funny to me, like pride is now brought to you by (laughs) (laughs) T-Mobile or like, you know, pride is brought to you by target and, you know, target, and then they're going to do the little rainbow or whatever targets logo is especially, uh, aching for something pride like, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not on board. Like, I don't really give a shit what Target sells. I am on that thing. They are a private, they are a company that can just sell whatever the fuck they want. And what's funny is kind of the importance that the political right put on these symbols. Like Target is a suburban symbol. It's healthy. It's wholesome, whatever. And so I get that, but that's your impression of it. And if you don't like it, don't shop in, in there. In fairness, Target kind of painted it on themselves. So Yeah, that's true. Um, and I can totally understand why someone like could you say know, they painted a would, would like on would support themselves. a place called Target. Yeah, said it yeah. without saying it though. Yeah, and I so I explained the joke even further because that's what I do. I just wanted to make everyone's eyes roll and ruin Steve and ruin Steve's last call in. <laughs> Which, by the way, where are you going to after this? Twitter Spaces. I'm oh, not wait. going to Rumble, if that's your question. We're doing oh, we already calls. got your ass. You're already streaming on Rumble right now. I don't want, I don't want to fucking Best hang out with terrorists and Steven Crowder. <laughs> but you can hang out with us. That's what I just said. I don't want to hang out with terrorists. Oh, I'm on a fucking watch list for this right now. Hello, Akbar! I mean, I'm not going to be able to makes, get on an airplane. It, if it makes you feel any better, Steve, the day that we met, you were, on a, you were put on a watch list. That's true. And that's what, at least, what, now four years running? I think there was, like, even on Twitter, you DM'd me, and I think think my DM back to you was like, I'm not talking to you in Twitter DMs. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is a Fed honeypot, so... Not until they're encrypted, sorry. So there is is actually, along the lines of the the target thing, there is is actually an important uh, thing to discuss involving that and that is the unfortunate uh, commingling of the daily wire itself and its influence on attempted influence on some of these things right now they have the several prongs where they're attempting to say that they are you know building a a side cultural movement and part of that uh, you know involves them latching on to particular moments to create a, a product right when they when hershey's had a had a thing they they made their little little chocolate brand and now they've gotten this idea that they can sort of guide an entire uh, horde of people to participate in whatever they they target their attention at and you know I'm not going to sit here and completely bat, you know bash Matt Walsh even uh, though I like to do that um people like that are getting this idea in their heads that anything they do that where people are agreeing with them is the correct trajectory it's the correct thing to do so if if they they can get a boycott against bud light and they can see a number go down on one week on a stock 
stock ticker, something is working in their mind. And if they just keep focusing their energy and, and watching Dylan Valmini's TikTok and complaining about whoever is paying him, then things will change. But there's no actual plan in there except for the Daily Wire attempting to continue to amass an audience and amass revenue and amass viewership. So there's a disconnect between the actual supposed target of these endeavors and the actual monetary uh, benefits to the Daily Wire. Doesn't enough people agreeing with you, the majority make you right? Depends if it's voting season or not. Yeah, okay. I was just going to point out that it's kind of funny that Daily Wire has all these products like at the ready as soon as one of these companies is like getting canceled by the right. Like they had what the they had chocolate bars ready what within twenty four hours after the Hershey debacle. It can't, it can't be that hard to chocolate bars. Out of it. So I'm gonna go a step further and say there has to be some sort of grand conspiracy in which Daily Wire. Oh, here we go. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan Shapiro Dylan Mulvaney was, was an actor. Okay. Dylan Mulvaney was an out of work actor. Daily Wire is controlled Wire opposition. I mean, I mean, Mulvaney does. It's just a look joke. Like... It's, so they're basically the producers. Shapiro is Mulvaney. Hand. It's true. Exactly. <laughs> like, they kind of look exactly alike. I'm telling you, this, they like, do. this goes beyond <laughs> any of us. Shapiro's lost a lot of weight. You know who also lost a lot of weight? Jay. Jay, can you tell them why you lost a lot of weight? Well, I went to EDC in Vegas over the weekend, and I got I – w- I want to say it was like a stomach flu or something, and it, like, destroyed me. Oh, what did you eat? What did you eat, Jay? Uh, uh, taco- who did you eat, Jay? No, it, it, well, there was a lot of, <laughs> lot of different people there. I, I don't remember some of them. <laughs> It, it's really a lot of it is a haze, but I mean, <laughs> Excision was great. Um, Sudden Death was fantastic. He just remembers the taste of Taco Bell from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> that was shit. I lost ten pounds. Like that's how bad it was. He lost a liver. <laughs> it was so bad that Jay looked whiter than me on Habibi Power Hour last night, and that is saying something. Oh man, it was horrible. Couldn't keep anything down. I'm getting I'm getting c- complaints. Said. We're overloading people's internet, so this is great. This is just as good. This is just overloading as much as the DeSantis announcement. So <laughs> it's kind of like a presidential announcement, right, Jay? You're announcing you're running away from Taco Bell. Yeah, I'm not going to go to Taco Bell for quite some time. Had nothing is, to do with the amount of not until at least and, July, and, because, because they're going to be wrapping all their shit in rainbows for the next six weeks. Ah, oh, fuck! That is right. It's never, it never, it's never going to stop. And and it's so funny because the main thing a lot of these people like to say, and activists for the LGBTQ plus whatever, is that trans people just want to be left alone. But you're going to have to sit and see it in your in your baseball cups. You have to see it while you're watching the NFL. You have to see it in your kids in your kids' classrooms. You have to see it in uh, in your TV shows. You have to see it everywhere. But they just want to be left alone. They want to be left alone yeah. while we celebrate it. And if, and They're if you the don't Harry and Megan of... Uh... alone, it's genocide. Exactly. I think the funniest thing about them adopting that language, and they really have. There was the thing in, in Great Britain that they, uh, they banned a trans 
woman or slash guy from cycling and they, they put they put a post on Instagram saying that this is genocide, this will lead to death. And I think the funniest thing about the trans community, which I'm assuming is like 80 to 90 percent white, I'm just going to assume, um, you know, that and Brittany Griner, um, that basically they're adopting a terminology that gen that generally is made to refer to like in you know colored and native and indigenous peoples around the world, whether it's the United States or Africa um, or whatever, and it's like this this mostly white gendered ideology is adopting the language they're co-opting and appropriating language that's generally reserved for indigenous and colored uh, groups, sh should I say? And like I said, whether that's Rwanda. Or I mean, you could argue the Holocaust or whatever. Um, Did you just call me well, colored? So, so, I won't with, with Siraj and Jay here. I won't argue the Holocaust. Well, I, I mean, um, there is the but, Bosnian genocide too. Rwanda yeah, so genocide. They, they're, they're Armenian not only, genocide. They're not completely. No, not they don't, that doesn't denigrating count. <laughs> what genocide is. They're like you know these are supposed to be inclusive people who accept all and and now the fucking LGBTQ flag looks like a kaleidoscope image from Spaceballs. Um, it's just going to be plaid in the next like five years. Ludicrous. And they, they, they adopt this language that's generally reserved for you know indigenous and you know uh, marginalized and colored groups. And I think it's it's mostly all funny, but yeah, it's kind of this just leave us alone. And you know, I noted on Twitter last night. You're right. It was just kind of like everyone was mostly okay with this. It was like yeah, we're fine with pride. Guys get married, whatever. And then it was like. But stop doing it in front of kids. And then it became a fucking war. And it's like, well, why do you want to do it in front of kids? Like, I don't understand this. Um, and so, I mean, kind of where I get off the boat of the current, you know, the lives of TikTok and the Matt Walsh's is, um, I just, if you want to institute a boycott of Target, great. Tell your people to do that, whatever. Um, but when you got idiots going into Target and harassing employees and stuff like that, I just get off the boat and I'm also, and kind of what Tom Moran was saying, I'm generally a classical liberal libertarian where if a fucking, if, if a brunch place wants to have drag queens there for entertainment and if they have their kids there, I don't give a shit. It's a private business. If you, you don't, don't like, like it, it, pass a decency law, pass a decency law like we have with strip clubs. Um, but for, they're or, just or playing like by tattoos. the new rules, Steven. But, but for now, it's just kind of like I get, I get off the boat when it comes to private businesses. I don't understand. One of the things about like public, I don't understand why the pride flag is allowed in public classrooms. Like you see this on lives of TikTok and other, and I've, and I've had, you know, school teachers and stuff tell me like it's, it's allowed on the wall of the classroom. And I'm kind of like, this is a, this is now considered in my opinion, at least a political symbol. Like the second the Biden administration starts hanging it from the fucking white house. Um, I thought we had like a policy on that. Like they no hung it from embassies. Right. So now that you're doing that, it's to me a political symbol, in which case it shouldn't be allowed to even be on the wall of public classrooms. If you're old enough and you go back to the 90s, we all had that fucking Ten Commandments argument, which was, again, it was a purposeful act of provocation. Nobody cared that the Ten Commandments were on the wall. It was just a purposeful act of provocation by activist groups on the progressive side to say you need to get rid of religion in, in our schools. Okay, let's get rid of religion in the schools. Take down Jesus off the wall and take down the fucking pride flag and we'll see which group tries to like comply first.
the funny thing is, is that this is actually a religion to them, though. I mean, the LG barbecue community, LG barbecue. all they do is... <laughs> the, the LG barbecue? They have barbecue? Yeah. <laughs> the LGBT. You didn't know this? That's, that's why I go to Pride Marches. They got, they got, barbe- they got ribs. Really tangy and sweet. And Anyways, and wiener. They got plenty of wieners, uh, which don't always require, that doesn't always re- require grilling. So, um, what I was going to say though, though, is that these people, these, they, they used to brand themselves like 10 years ago as secular humanists. And then that because they, didn't believe in some deity or, or there was no like form of there, there was no like religion or faith in their life. They replaced it with statism and basically everything that advances their political ideology. So most people nowadays take politics personally, because if you make any political argument about anything, uh, you get a, a very like intense and visceral reaction of uh, outrage about how you're uh, threatening their existence and you're basically waging violence on them. That's all it really has become. It's, it's a, it's a cult. Well, and that, and that's when, and we've talked about this. And then once they say that you're waging violence on us, that justifies things like mass shootings at Christian academies and elementary schools, which is the exact fucking reaction we saw right, right down to the white house. It was like, nope, we're not going to acknowledge that that happened. We're going to we're going to acknowledge the three lawmakers, and we're going to talk about the, how this community is under attack. That to me is like one of the just the most <laughs> in things in politics I've experienced. That reaction to that shooting in Nashville is still one of just the fucking craziest things I've seen from like a presidential administration. And that's kind of what I mean about how political parties they don't go backwards. You could even elect Joe Biden, who's eighty years old, who's been in Washington since the fucking 19 aughts and he's president and he's not implementing a a policy where he was mostly senator from the 80s and 90s he's like basically being controlled by the susan rice's and nina tendons to introduce this kind of radical progressivized social policy which he has no clue what it's about let's just be honest um but that reaction to the Nashville shooting, that should have been a giant wake up call that when they use this language that we're being genocided and this is, you know, you not uh, allowing preteens to have permanent hormonal, hormonal replacement theory, that's violence against us. That once you say that, once that you say that um, you're committing violence against me, you're justifying any act of violence as in retaliation as an act of defense. And yet we and, still haven't seen the manifesto. Yeah, and, and because they said it's too dangerous to release. Now, in in fairness, we haven't seen a lot of mass shooters manifestos. So I guess you could say, you know, for people on the right, show me the manifesto where it's like pages of gender queer in there and stuff. I get that, but we haven't seen a lot of mass shooters manifestos. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, I agree with that. And you obviously have a politicized D, uh, DOJ and FBI where. The Buffalo mass shooting was declared a mass, uh, a federalized hate crime three weeks after it happened. And Merrick Garland has yet to declare the Nashville shooting a hate crime. So can I interject? Sure. Are you drunk enough? No. <laughs> I am drunk enough. There's <laughs> a woman? So I kind of want to go woman? back to... <laughs> what? Yes, I know. A woman. That's why I had to get extra special drunk. 
Sorry, sorry, scary. Siraj and Jane aren't used to women speaking out of turn. I well, you know, I. I you got it, your burka on. You know, <laughs> I I do not have a burka on, though I do have a headscarf on. So does that count? Banner, please. Anyway, Banner. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I kind of want to go back to what uh, Gator was talking about with uh, Daily Wire and. Uh, I'm just wondering, what do you want conservatives to do? Like, I understand your concerns, but at the same time, I don't know, brands have been spitting in my face forever, and it just gets old. And so what's the, the, brands, the good The brands solution? doing this are is part of the large network, basically, the ESG networks that are right. granting, granting them uh, fiduciary benefits for, you know, having certain social credit scores, basically. Right. No, I right? understand that. And, and so what the, saying... For what it's worth, DeSantis is the only one talking about that as well. He's the only and, one talking about so, ESG. It, it's not it, it's not the problem that that people are deciding to shop elsewhere or not, um, you know, not not buy Target or they, they find out, you know, the company did something they don't like and they want to boycott. That's not the issue particularly. The issue itself is the uh, emotional energy that gets caught up in these um, endeavors that don't have an actual end point. So you have you say, OK, we're going to we're going to boycott. The original logic was we're going to boycott. Uh, Anheuser-Busch, uh, because if we put enough pressure on them, it'll teach other companies a lesson. So Anheuser-Busch, uh, you know, has their little uh, you know, leave of absence for the, the marketing lady. And now Target is, according to, quote, use Matt Walsh's words, doing something even worse. And, and Bud Light is now sponsoring a Pride event. So uh, the the idea that that you are going to engage in a particular activity. You are going to blanket your entire conversation across the entire conservative spectrum on, on a beer that is, you know, just gross piss water <laughs> that you are, you are saying you are in Matt Walsh himself, who I'm going to consider started this Bud Light thing. He said that it tasted gross and is piss water. So what is the actual carrot and stick you're offering the company that you're supposedly protesting? We're going, we're not going to drink your piss water until you stop uh, uh, giving money to Dylan Mulvaney and after which we'll still not drink it because it's piss water. We just told you it's gross. Like, I don't understand. There's no, there's no logic there. So all you're doing is getting people riled up to the point where some of the less stable people do do stupid shit, like go into a target and start harassing employees. And it makes the whole thing look bad as if, as if conservatives can't fucking handle someone in a, in a rainbow outfit. I saw an interesting no, thing about I, this though. I don't think you can chalk up Bud Light's losses to just Matt Walsh. Agreed. Um, I mean, he has an audience no. and obviously he's a daily wire and it's a pretty big outlet, but I saw, I saw a good discussion on Twitter that said this is kind of, this looks to be led by normies where it was just kind of like, not, I mean, oh, yeah, I, I, think Bud, I don't drink really Bud Light except when I'm at softball. Kid rocks, but baby. This looks to be like one He's of these the... things where it was just normies who just went, yeah, we're just going to go with something else. Oh, no, no, no. It definitely, it definitely had an organic uh, expansion from there, but the, the whole beginning of it was Matt Walsh because he was basically monitoring Dylan Mulvaney's TikTok all day. Cause that was their programming for the, the like three weeks. Yeah, yeah but that helped the, uh, 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 that Matt Walsh. Is, what do you want conservatives like what's your specific plan Gator? like 
what do you specifically want conservatives to so, do? So, so in in, um, in the event where you already have participated in in boycotts and and these companies have had their sales reduced, corporations like that have a fiduciary responsibility to act in the shareholders' best interest. Disney so, has if a, you can, just they, they well, right, but if, if you have for the campaign, who? Bud Light and Disney. I mean, shouldn't they have well, talked about the in, in, interest before they advertise in these words? If you're advertising, I, you know, you, the easy argument is that you're advertising to increase sales in the benefit of your yeah, shareholders. Yeah, they can't predict the future. But, right. So, so, but to the, to the extent that these campaigns have harmed the, the shareholder's value and the companies continue to double or triple down because of the influences of, of their, their other fiduciary gains, it becomes a balance of, you know, can you make the argument that the, the, uh, the nature of this, this conglomerate that is actually controlling what the, these companies wind up wanting to be doing is, is, in the uh, shareholders' best interest, or they're acting against the best interest, because ultimately the problem is the ac- the access to these money spigots g- opening and closing. Because if you can't get those, if you can't get those taken care of, which is only going to be a legal battle, it's not going to be a a uh, you know we are not going to buy it and that's going to solve all the problems. We're just going to shop elsewhere. That that won't do it because they'll continue to to do the actions that you are reacting to. The marketing director so, actually said they're trying to get away from fratty boys. Yeah, well, and I would argue maybe. her comments did more to damage it than, than just the Dylan Mulvaney thing. Because she, she just insulted and, and, she insulted her entire audience. The ultimate target has to be the ESG cart the you know, conglomerate cartel thing. It can't it can't just be um reacting to whatever a company does on any given day. Okay, well, but conservatives don't have institutional power in that sense. Whereas you have things like Blackwater or Black Star, or whatever it is. Black Rock. Black Rock or Blackstone. Or Black Power. Black Light. Black Lives. Green. (laughs) Black Lives Matter. Black Light Matters. Oh my God. Black Light Beer Matters. Anyway, the the point is is that... (laughs) (laughs) The point is is that, that conservatives don't have that kind of institutional power. And so then you're talking about just a lot more necessarily true i mean it it, shareholders are a class okay so there's there discounting the idea that you can have a class action sort of lawsuit against one of these companies on behalf as a shareholder and uh, as a class of shareholders is not necessarily you can't just because perhaps we don't have the white house currently or don't have both houses of congress does not mean that there's no institutional power there's plenty of states where where conservatives are are more in control than otherwise and so it's there's plenty of different avenues where these fights take place it's just the my my particular issue and my particular comments are on how how emotionally charged these these situations are becoming to the point where it, it there is no actual goal after them it is like a dog chasing a car and not knowing what to do when it catches it and and it's not actually changing the behavior because it's just misdirected uh I think the goal, I think if I, if I'm looking at this and I'd say, I think the goal, look at, look at the LA Dodgers. 
this is a good one that I've been just watching and I haven't gotten into. So they you ha- they have like the crucifix fucking group or whatever. Who cares? And now they're doing Christian night. <laughs> and even like conservatives are just booing them for that. And I think the goal here, if, if I'm being honest, like what I do, what do I really think the goal is? It's to get companies to say, we're not doing this. It's to get them to step in and go, look, um, you know, and Bo Burnham made fun of this in a special, you know, like it, why is, why does Butterfinger not speak out on, you know, social issues or whatever. And I think that that's the goal. At least that's to me should be the goal. We want to get back to so, Republicans. By you make it too. so to, to the point to where a brand or a company, you can pick whatever it is, uh, Dave sunflower seeds or whatever just goes, we're not going to participate in this because if we do, we're not going to win anyway. We're going to piss, like, look at Bud Light, pissed off the conservatives. Then they pissed off the LGBTQ community because they wouldn't stand up for Dylan Mulvaney. And companies, I think, I think the goal is for them to just go, dude, we're just not going to fucking play this game. We're just not going to do it anymore. That's, def- that's definitely the goal, I, I hope. And I, the thing I hope that stops is that all just these companies, to once the DeSantis up. becomes president... <laughs> That they don't put out statements of, hey, we're not supporting X, Y, and Z. Like, that sort of shit's got to go away, that corporatism. Yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that's that's what this leads to, not, you know, Steez, not what Matt Walsh wants. Steve, because it's 69 minutes into the stream, I, I have to I have to leave because it's a very nice time to go. And also, it's past my bedtime. I'm a boot. On a whack bar. But congratulations nice. on uh, a successful call and run. Uh, you're you're now you're now with uh, Team Rumble. Very happy for you. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm with Team uh, Rumble. I think for I think another the the G for about another twenty five minutes with video. Can't wait to can't wait to get you set up with your own stream in which you. Uh, oh, I bet you talk. you'd love to see me stream. Yeah. Oh my God! Yes, that stream <laughs> too. So, anyways, Jay, feel better. Uh, Steez, uh just removed him. <laughs> he gone. Thank you. The plane just the plane Jesus just hit Christ. the building. <laughs> yep. Oh, there it went again. See, right there. Plane hit the building. He shot a second. Habibi bro has just left the chat. Yeah. Um. God, what was I even saying? No, I think the goal is the the goal is to just get companies to say we're going to stop doing this. It's not profitable. We can't win, even if we get the New York Times or whatever on our side. Um, it's it's just not it's not worth the hassle, and I, I think that that's ultimately and, the goal. And, and that would that would be that would be fantastic if the ESG scores didn't actually have those those particular levers over them, because that you gain extra access to to money, you know, money resources, monetary resources, if you participate in ESG. If you have a low ESG score. You actually could suffocate your your company because you didn't participate in that. So it's... quick, quick question: Who started ESG again? Was it BlackRock? No answers. Hello. I don't know. Yeah, it goes. I, it I goes back a number of years. There's been, there's been several. There's been several different you know programs of the same kind. So where do you choose to have a cutoff of starting things? You know. Okay, just honest question. I don't know That's who started ESG. And it gets spread like mold. <clears throat> so what so I, I'll just, I'll just read you. Say. I'll just read you the dumb Wikipedia okay. on ESG. For those of you who kind of don't know what it is, 
It's environmental, social, and corporate governments, also known as environmental, social governance, is a framework designed to be embedded into an organization's strategy that considers the needs and ways in which to generate value for all organized stakeholders, such as employees, customers, suppliers, and financers. Since 2020, there's been an accelerating pressure from the United Nations to overlay, well, right there, ESG data with uh, sustainable development goals based on their work, which began in the 1980s. The term ESG was popularly used first in 2004, report titled, Who Cares Wins?, which was a joint initiative of financial institutions at the invitation of the United Nations in less than 20 years. The ESG movement has grown from a corporate social responsibility initiative launched by the United Nations into a global phenomenon representing more than U.S. $30 trillion in assets under management. In the year 2019 alone, capital totaling U.S. $17 billion flowed into USG-linked products, an almost 525% increase from 2015. According to Morningstar Inc., critics claim ESG-linked products have not had and are unlikely to have the intended impact of raising cost of capital for polluting firms and have accused the movement of greenwashing even. So, and DeSantis, and like I said, DeSantis is the only guy talking about combating this. Right, well, so hold on. Where Normie's eyes begin to glaze over if you can't explain it to them in very, 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 very simple terms. So, so hold on. So if, this if, comes, you good, if you have a good ESG score, but you're but you're not profitable and your stock goes down and you're and you're responsible to your shareholders, then what the fuck is the point of the ESG score? That's presu- it's complete grass. That's presuming you can harm the company so much that they are no longer profitable. Anheuser Busch, for example, is a global corporation. So it doesn't it doesn't matter if, if we can remember to not drink Bud Light. Okay. Uh, there's one one you know popular podcast character, uh, Viva Frey, uh, he, he the other day said that he didn't buy Bud Light and instead um, uh, uh, bought Stella Artois. But Stella Artois is owned by a subsidiary of Anheuser-Busch. Also so a shitty beer. He chose a different product. Yes, but he chose a different product under the same umbrella because there's too many factors to to involve yourself in. So to, to, in, if you were saying, okay, we can bankrupt one company, make them non-profitable to offset the ESG benefits, well, okay, great, have that target and try to shoot for it. But it otherwise, it's just, <laughs> just going to be... I mean, if you give Bud Light the stink... You still showed that there's power to be had. I mean, at this point, I say, you know where you can inflict pain and inflict it, frankly, because we can't stop ESG. We don't pull those levers. You're not going to, at any point, take over the trillions of dollars of capital that are being controlled by uh, those types of financial firms. But you do know where you can inflict pain. Inflict it. Doesn't he, uh, doesn't Exxon Mobil or Exxon, um, the evil oil company, have a high ESG rating? Yeah, Exxon, they have yeah, a higher ESG win. rating than Tesla at this point because, Crazy. again, this is meaningless. It's about power. Yeah, and see, that's where I'm saying I think that there, I don't see a solution because a class action lawsuit by me and like my 10 conservative friends or whatever. I know that's not enough for a class a- action. You have 11 conservative it's friends. Just like... <laughs> but my point is, is that I, I don't see a solution that you're offering, Gator. And I'm not trying to be mean. Like, I just feel like- Well, you're not being, 
you're being throwing shade at horse wire and that, that's fine and i understand your point i'm just saying well no of course i'm, I'm not going to be able to offer a solution in the sense where i could tell you something that seems seems like there is a straightforward path there isn't a straightforward path and that's sort of the point so you so are we just fucked is at the end of this the the point is the point is the that you can't necessarily continue down the same path of running with the large set of emotions following a particular target and saying okay not you know uh, no pun intended, following a particular target and saying, okay, th- this week we're going to boycott this, next week we're going to boycott that, because they are all doing it. The number of companies that are participating in the exact same things that you are trying to isolate and, and focus on these one companies for without successfully taking them down or modifying their behavior, it's just they're going to they're going to destroy the momentum that you even have to focus on the issue if you if you continue to just throw your emotional energy at, at that particular focus. So is ESG a government thing or is it just a political thing? The financial it's largely a private industry thing. Private industry. Okay, thing. so then, okay. It's a club of sort. If you think of it uh, uh, like, you know, pretend there is a human physical analogy to it where you look at your credit report and not only is it showing you you know how on you know uh you know how on time your payments were or how much of the your credit you're back you know utilizing it also shows you you know how how nice your tweets were okay like that's or which, it, now you know, now your which political causes you support or where you bought you know did you buy did you buy your groceries from a uh a green sustainable market like whole foods or did you just go to like the shitty 7-eleven right were you a good community member did you yell at your neighbors and stuff like it that's the sort of thing on a corporate level and so it actually affects how much how many how much money you can get in loans whether short term or long term so people are you a gun owner for instance, well, yeah. they're, they're um, actually they're using this to fuck with gun manufacturers as well because they'll look at investment yes. portfolios yeah. and they'll say, "Hey, you've got a gun manufacturer in there that drops your score because we don't want those in there." And that's why, and that's why this profit. argument of that's why this argument of we can't go along with Fight Club conservatism it just doesn't sell with me because this is a new ball game. This is the political left, like, you know, utilizing corporatism. And I still think the most important piece written after the 2020 election was Molly Ball's piece about how companies came out in Time magazine and companies came out and admitted how they basically coalesced around each other to defeat Donald Trump. And I'm like, well, they're going to fucking do that with any Republican candidate going forward. And that's why this shit has to be addressed and it has to be stopped like instantly. And that's why this idea that you know, the Constitution will save us. Well, look at, I, I like the piece where someone said, you know, look what look what Soros's PACs did with, they just, they instead of going through law, they just said, we're going to, we're going to donate money into these local prosecu- prosecutorial races in cities that we already have a stronghold on. We already have a progressive stronghold in cities like St. Louis, in San Francisco, in Austin, in New York. And we're just going to basically dump millions of dollars into these guys' bank accounts, and they're going to do what we tell them to do. And, and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing just rampant, out-of-control crime, no prosecutions, uh, and they're getting their desired result, and they're doing it without basically having to pass any legislation whatsoever. Yeah, and that's why this New York— 
this New York Times bullshit of, you know, uh, we must preserve peacetime conservatism. And that's why I can't vote for Ron DeSantis when Ron DeSantis is literally the only guy out there going, yeah, we're going to put a stop to ESC bullshit. I think he I think he did pass a bill about Bank of America was trying to basically implement this with gun owners. Um, I might be vague no, on did. that, but um, and that's the point. That's that's why this guy is where he is like. I don't care about Nikki Haley's story of immigration in America. Good for you. I don't care about that. I don't care about Tim Scott's, I'm going to faith heal the country. And and I like the thing where someone said about Tim Scott, where he's a good guy. He'd probably make a very competent, excellent president. But this is a guy you elect once you've restored the country, not where we are now. And I don't know, if you ask Donald Trump what an ESG is, do you think you're going to get a fucking coherent answer? He's going to shout Alfred E. Newman on True Social and then, you know, fall over. And so that to me is where DeSantis comes in and says, you guys got two options. It really is that simple, whether you hate him or not. uh, And the people who are against him, uh, who have claimed to be against Donald Trump for the last four years, Um, they're really showing their ass on all of this. And so this isn't 2016. You have a viable option that people like. And I do, I do have a piece coming out at spectator about, I think Donald Trump looks a lot like 2016 Hillary right now. Like he's acting like her. Um, he, he, he does, he's acting like he doesn't understand that the, the primary race officially started two days ago and that's it. It's my turn. You know, I, I think, I mean, look, Ron DeSantis is the politician who has picked up the idea that Andrew Breitbart had. Fuck you. And and culture is downstream, or politics is downstream of culture, which it always has been. Even more so now with, you know, what we see with social media and and Breitbart was kind of a prophet in that way. Um, But, I mean, the thing about Andrew Breitbart is he grew up, you know, he lived in Hollywood. He lived surrounded himself by progressives. Uh, to kind of know what they were thinking and talking about. And that's what made him so powerful. And that's what made him so uh, informative. And this is why I kind of tell people, and this is a great topic to kind of wrap this all up on here in about 15 minutes is um, you can't, you can't withdraw from it. You can't completely withdraw from the culture. You can't, as I've always said, you should be, if you're conservative, you should be reading liberal outlets. You should be looking at media matters. You should be looking at the, you know, if you want, if you want to be that kind of person who debates and wants to know, you should know what they're talking about. And I've said this, I don't read national review. I don't think I've clicked. I don't think I've actually clicked. I mean, I read Charles Cook and I read, I read like Jim Garrett and stuff, but I don't read, I don't make an appointment reading to get up and get my coffee and sit down and read a little national review. Because I know what they think. I don't need to know what National Review says on certain aspects. I'm, I'm pretty in line with somebody like Noel Rothman or whatever. Um, and I don't really genuinely listen to, like, right-leaning podcasts. I, don't, I, I listen to Ruthless sometimes. Um, but for the most part, I don't really pay attention to conservative media. I, and those of you who pay attention to my Twitter feed, I, ve- I very rarely, if ever, retweet conservative media links. And I've talked about this because... I know what they think. I know what they're arguing. I'm one of the guys making those arguments. I don't need to know what you're saying. I do read the New Republic. I do read Mother Jones. I do look at Media Matters. I do read CNN. I do read the New York Times. I do read the Washington Post. Um, It's not just because I'm an ardent media critic of those outlets. It's because you can start to see 
the arguments they're going to start making down the road. Uh, and that, and that's kind of one of the reasons I'm so good at, you know, predicting the arguments they're going to make later down the road, like ignoring court rulings. That's not one I just pulled out of my ass. That was one that was like floated at Vox or something. And I'm like, well, if he's going to start saying it, that means the rest of them are going to start saying it. And that means Mark Spay is going to start saying it and they have, and they are. And so, I mean, Breitbart really was kind of prophetic in that way that, um, we, you don't even to this day have had a conservative politician that, that is putting the cultural war rate strict in front and saying, look, if you, if you want to make reading materials in grade school, part of a culture war, okay, we'll put that in there. Um, and my worry with that though, is Disney is going to make what Disney is going to make as far as films. And, you know, they've been slipping cocks into their movies since The Little Mermaid, the original one. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I look at this and I say, there is a fine line between, like you said, go- going on offense against things like ESG and and schools implementing kind of uh, gender ideology and stuff. I'm fine with pushing back on all of that stuff because it's a public curriculum. Um if you start like boycotting target over their pride collection, I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, do that. Um, but you know, I think you have to draw the line. And, and my biggest worry right now, what I see is that they're blowing all the way over that line and they're turning into Marge Simpson, trying to shut down the beloved Bordello. Steven, and it's not a pride collection. They're, they're marketing it towards kids. That's, but that's, you, you, I don't know if you heard what I said earlier. And I said, I'm kind of like where it's like, it's, you know, it's pride merchandise. And then, okay, but then why are you selling like a tuck swimsuit? Like, what the fuck is that? Um, But they are still, and you don't have to like it, Bo, but they are still a private company that can sell that stuff. Fair enough. That's it. And then that's, to me, the end of the argument. If you don't like it, don't shop there. Make your voice heard. Boycott them. Do all of that. I don't really care about any. I mean, a boycott is an effective economic strategy to tell a company, we are not okay with you selling this stuff. And so I'm, I'm, for the most part, fine with a boycott. Let me make one contrast so that that people could possibly see a a clear difference in how outcomes can be. If if Balenciaga a couple months ago with their their you know weird as BDSM, and I I know Balenciaga is is whatever, and then they do like the the teddy bear and the leather vests, and I I first I thought it was funny, and then I'm like, yeah, why are you doing that? Well, what what happened there though is, is there because there was no brick and mortar stores to go into, there were no employees to harass anywhere being seen. Nothing happened on our side that seemed crazy and and ridiculous. The only thing that happened is you got people like on the View trying to like walk the line and defend it, pseudo defend it, you know, by saying, well, it, it was definitely inappropriate, but and try to like twist it into the right wing, still overreacting. Uh, you know, with, with this like, you know, half-handed defense, but all that one, that one, that situation was successful because nobody embarrassed, embarrassed the side raising the complaint. If you become the, if you become the spectacle, if you become the side that looks more absurd than let's say a store that yes, is selling thing, weird things, but the the weird things get overshadowed by a a video that might uh, become viral because some guy is going up and, and, you know, like, you know, hitting down displays or, or harassing, you know, on TikTok harassing the, the, the employees that makes this, that makes quote us look bad versus a situation where there's no brick and mortar stores. And it's just, you just watch people fail at at trying to defend the uh, indefense. And yeah, I mean, I'm, 
if we're going to go into like the full groomer debate, where am I percentage wise? It's about 45%. I mean, you've seen some of these influencers say, yes, we're coming for your kids and you can't stop us. And it's like, well, when they're telling you what they're doing, um, I guess believe them. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you have this idea from a political angle of Biden, Harris and Randy Weingarten saying, well, they belong, these kids all belong to us. They're our kids, which has been a, you know, a, a Democratic political notion for 30 years with Hillary Clinton and then going back to Melissa Harris Perry. And so I think that there is a way to actually make this argument. And it's where it's like, but I don't think it's being made loudly enough, which is, hey, I don't give a shit about drag. I don't give a shit about your drag queens. But why are you so adamant on doing it in front of the eight-year-olds? I think that's the argument. I said that on Twitter. Like, nobody gave a shit about this until it was like, you demanded we do this shit in front of kids. Um, I still say it's a private business and a fucking dumbass lib mom in Portland wants to take their two kids to the fucking drag show on a Sunday afternoon. Go do that. I'm not your parents, but whatever. Josh, you're down there. You, your mic is going on. What's going on? Oh, I'm just pouring myself a little bit of vodka and uh, some yeah. atoms to it. <clears throat> That's good. Well, don't get too shit-faced. I'm wrapping things up here in about 10 minutes. So um, uh, any anyone who's out here speaking, you got about six minutes left to give me your hottest final Oil take. those hinges, Josh. So, how about you guys? How about this? Just unmute all of your microphones at the same time and shout the craziest thing you believe politically. They all want to have COVID nineteen kids. was uh, was intentional. They want us David all dead. Mike Pence is gay. Mike Pence is gay. That's funny. That's the best one. Vanessa, get it out. Your, your microphone's muted. I don't have one. I just wanted to say thank you for having Collins. They were fun. And I was going to request that you play the World War Applebee's music if you had it. Oh God! Do I have it? <laughs> Let me. Uh... You don't have to. It's okay. That <clears throat> yeah, was, that, was, that a... was a good episode. Oh God! What is it? Maybe we'll go out on that. Oh yeah, there it is. <laughs> are, is it the? Is we... it the? It's, is it the uh, it's the fancy like whatever. It's the no. It's the well. That was one of them, but the the one in the CNN commercial was the little bit of chicken fry. Oh, there you go. Here we go. Here we go. Here's the air raid sirens. Yeah. We're ending with Ukrainian air raid sirens. Yes. Here we go. Oh, there we go. And uh, I don't know the rest of this. God, God bless that was, America. Uh, fun beginning episode. The, the, the thing about that is, I still didn't know what I was going to do with Colin. I mean, they were telling me um, to have guests on and stuff, and I and I said in the past, I pushed back on it. I was like, that's not what I want to do. I don't want to. There's no point having an app called Colin, where then I just talk to someone and people just listen and then ask questions. Like, no, like it should be like just let's just talk to people about things and. Uh, and even if it rambles on or stuff like that, um, I hope Zach is alive. I thought he might be here tonight. I hope he's not dead. Um, yeah, that would suck. <laughs> well, he wouldn't miss any more call-ins. That's true. Uh, he wouldn't care either. Yeah, see, he wouldn't. And he'd, he'd still want us all, like, the world to burn and all of us die along with him. Um, but no, I just, some of the time, like, that one was fun. And then, obviously, the Evaldi gun episode. And there's been a few. The Tesla episode was another good one. 
That was, yeah, I was going to say that was another favorite. I, I don't think I, I think I had to go back and listen to that one after we um, recorded it, but that was a fantastic episode. Yes, I don't know. Yeah, was, that's because we were all just, all just fucking dumb. I was fucking by what we just that saw. night. I was so mad. Hello, good night, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Hi, good night, everyone. Thank you, Steven. Mark, that, that was that's the best opening too. line to any debate ever, and it will never be topped. The, Mar- the Martha's Vineyard call was, was a pretty good one, too. Yeah. So, anyway, I just wanted to say thank you. I appreciate so, it. So, Steven, uh, just real quick before you kick everybody off, is kick them now. this going to right still now. be. Everywhere. <laughs> blow it up. Blow it up. Just fucking end it. And this like is right now. Misery. Is, it, like is, is this is this gonna be like completely done, or do you know if Collins like shutting down? I have no is idea. This, I think this, I don't. I don't. I genuinely, at least, that was put to me as I think Collins shutting down. I think that eventually the website will be absolved into Rumble. Somehow, but at least like Colin as a website, I think is leaving. So, so you, so like all the past Collins, we won't be able to access in the future after I don't all know that transition happens. I don't know. Like, I, okay. gen- I genuinely, I am but pawn in game of Colin. I genuinely don't really know. It was just relate to me that because Rumble acquired Colin, they're wrapping things up and, um, as I told them, I was still planning on having some rooms. This they, I was kind of made clear to me that you know, just wrap it up, and this will be the last one. I was like, okay. So I don't really care. What so happens. the next week's the next week's episode that you kind of teased is not going to happen. No, this is the final. This is why I have everyone up. We're all having a party. We're all having drinks at the big table. All right. Yeah, because everyone's fucking episode. drunk. So it's it's been a great party. So. I'm drunk. <laughs> so it it's been great and I love the entire community and I say it every week like it's awesome like hearing from people so thank you for creating this and I hope we can find it somewhere else yeah my I'm hoping for that as well because uh, is like as I said I'm always nervous to do these like whenever I would do and there's some I wake up and I'm like uh, I'm just in dread it has nothing to do with people it just has to do with um, the unexpectedness of it. It's the performance aspect of it. I kind of, it's not like I'm recording a podcast. I have to be on my game. Um, and it, it really is, it's, it's one of these things that can expose you. So if I'm doing a podcast, I can stop and start, re- go back, rearticulate a thought. I can do it. And you can't do it on this. Like, and so hopefully I haven't come off as a total hack fraud uh, with the audience, but it was always kind of my intention. It's always why I named, you know, people ask me like, why'd you name it versus media? And I was kind of like, well, it's us versus them. And I think people need to understand, and this was kind of an old Andrew Breitbart adage as well, is that we outnumber them. And if you have a voice and you can elbow your way in and you can use it, and you can be smart about it. Look what's happening with Twitter and community notes. That's a, that's a perfect example of kind of what I'm talking about is as much as I hate what Elon Musk has done with Twitter. That's one where it's just like, Glenn Kessler can do all the bitching in the world he wants, but, you know, at the end of the day, you can put a stamp on him right there. And so for someone who's been doing community notes for 10 fucking years on Twitter, it's it's heartening to see how just regular people who are smart, who are smarter than them, 
um, are able to use their voice. And that was kind of the whole point with Colin here. So um, I, I think with that, as I wrote today about uh, Fight Club conservatism, uh, I love it. I'm all in. And I said, I don't even care. Um, Stop. Don't even really care what they think it is. So I am all in on Fight Club conservatives, everyone. So unmute your mics. Say goodbye. Go goodbye, Americans. The last good. few minutes. Here we go. I'm going to miss this. Let's all get it. Thanks, man. Cheers. Cheers. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Woo-hoo. Cheers. Everybody had a good night. You got your imaginary friend in front of 400 gallons of nitro. Listen, we'll stop doing it live. Like I said, fuck you, war. Good song. Yeah, whoever has a song playing in the background is pretty awesome. I miss y'all. It's been fun while it lasted.